Ethical disclaimer. While Diana and I are psychologists, we aren't your psychologists. Reverse psychology, while hopefully fun and informative, is not a replacement for therapy. If you're interested in speaking with a therapist, please check out some of the links in our episode description. Also, Diane and I are both deeply passionate about psychology. Common with things you love, we may get frustrated, but at the end of the day, we hold sincere respect for psychology and psychologists. Now, on with the show. How's your hornet sting doing? Um, it is hot and hard. <laughs> it's hot. It's, it, I can, it's casting a shadow. This is Reverse Psychology. Hi. Hi. I'm Dr. Diana. I'm Dr. Mike. I'm a, I'm a psychologist. Good. I'm, so, a, I'm a licensed psychologist. We're only 20 episodes in. Yep. Uh, just in case people are tuning in to our podcast for the first time, they need to know we know what we're fucking talking about. Right. We try to make this feel like it's our first time every time. It's, or it's your first time every time. Yeah. It's both of our first times. Or you can just lie about it. We'll just take say our, it is your first time. We'll take our time. We'll go real slow. It'll be good. <laughs> it's my first time too. <laughs> Don't look at the episode history. So, I'm. Uh, yeah. I wait. I'm. I didn't finish. Who are you? I am a. Dare I say, podcaster? Yes. Licensed psychologist, board certified behavior analyst. Thank you. Thank you. Who are you? I'm Dr. Mike. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm a licensed podcaster. I'm a licensed class C, no, class D driver in the state of Florida. I don't, first of all, you don't even have a Florida driver's license. Second of all, I think C is the main one. A is the main, I don't know. Who knows? In New York, C is commercial, I think. And D is, I know that because when you, when you're under 16 in New York, you're a class DJ. And then when you turn 18, no, when you're 16 to 18, it's DJ. 18 and up, it's D. Motorcycles, Rivet- A. This is riveting podcast <laughs> yeah. material. By the way, this is the podcast where we exclusively <laughs> talk about psychology, things about psychology. And, and guess about driver's license classes. Way to dox me about not having an in-state license. It's true. You I have know. never changed it over. Oh, shit. That reminds me, in Florida, on your birthday, every year, every year, I think you, <laughs> you have get a to... get free re- ice cream. No, you have to redo your registration. That's how you know when to do it, because it's always on your birthday. What a awful way to spend your birthday happy birthday pay the state so besides a hornet sting this week was kind of bad your weekend i had a bad has weekend. been in the turlet it, there's been ups and downs it's been a real roller coaster let's be honest yeah got stung by a hornet on friday okay and then saturday had a lovely day some friends saturday night had a lovely night with a friend went to at a the holocaust event. museum <laughs> went to an event at the holocaust museum i had the most lovely little night at the holocaust museum mm-hmm. there it was really cool there was a panel discussion about civil rights in the tampa area and then my friend and i to kind of debrief afterwards went walked for a drink and came back to get my car which i had valet parked and then because you're a high roller no, I hate valley parking. I will drive around forever to avoid valley parking. So I show up after the drink to get my car. I see my car. It's the only one in the lot. And no valet guy to be found anywhere. He was probably out Ferris Buellering someone else's car. <laughs> There's a guy asleep on the sidewalk, actually. Was he in a tie? No. Oh, because when I got, because I was in the same area that night. And there was a dude in like a dress shirt and tie just sleeping on the sidewalk in front of a church. 
No, no, no. He was sleeping on the sidewalk, kind of near my car. And I had to keep walking back and forth between my car and the front of the museum to see like, is anyone in there? Because we came to find out that my keys were inside with the security people. I was like frantically trying to walk back and forth to see if someone was there. And I kept having to step over him. And I was like, this is really inconvenient for me. Yeah, he was he was not bothered by me walking back and forth. That's good. The other thing was in that lot, they had a lot of signs for like, if you're here past midnight, your car will be towed. So I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Called the tow company to be like, please don't tow my car. I have no control over this. I need, I can't get in my car. I don't have my car keys. The guy said, oh, you need to call a locksmith then. That's not my problem. Oh. And I was freaking out because I've never had to do that, but I'm sure it's at least $300, right? Probably. I don't even know how my car would work. It's not a key. It's a... You would have to call a hotwire. Dot com. Or uh, like a street youth to Jimmy open your car and hotwire it. Right, but... Oh, and hotwire it. Yeah. Maybe I could have woken that guy up who was on the ling. That's offensive to think he... <laughs> Plus, if, you, if he knew how to hotwire cars, he would not be sleeping on the sidewalk. Maybe he's choosing a life of not hotwiring. Maybe that was his first day of homelessness. He didn't know any better. Long story, even longer. Act two. I called Mike's phone... Probably 102 times. You called it eight times in a row. No answer. I was asleep. (laughs) Text to him, please call me. Text me, you up? And nothing. And so I was stranded by myself. Actually, that's true. Not true. My friend was with me. (laughs) Don't add to the drama. She lived near that area. I live about 30 minutes away from that area. She was nice enough to drive me home. But I was nervous because I didn't have my keys and Mike wasn't calling me back. So I was like, am I even going to be able to get in my house? I don't know what is going on. I had a plan of like how I was going to wake you up. All you have to do is make the slightest sound outside and the dogs would start barking. That's true. That was my, that was actually my plan. That's actually how I woke up was because a person across the street turned on their porch light and the dog started barking. Mm. And then I woke up to all these missed phone calls. Yeah. And I called you back and you didn't answer. I did answer. On the third time I called you. Oh, well... I yeah who's the bad guy now <laughs> you still well, I was tired it was a it was a bad night of miscommunications and miss key giving opportunities <laughs> so I'm okay today we had to drive back there and get my car they didn't tow it we had a nice little breakfast out in St. Pete I had a euro I didn't get enough sleep last night again I've been having a lot of sleepless nights not sleepless nights I fall asleep wake up around 2 a.m go back to bed around 5 a.m i always know when you're awake in the middle of the night on the nights that you don't sleep there's typically a bowl of like mostly eaten cottage cheese <laughs> on the table and it's like the, the, the telltale sign that you're awake for a period of time there's a blanket in a clump and then there's a bowl of cottage <laughs> cheese it's it's like if santa claus came and there's just like the crumbs of cookies it's like oh diana was here last night oh you should leave me out a bowl of cottage I'm gonna cheese leave room temp cottage cheese in a, a blanket, blanket. Yeah, no, what you're saying is absolutely true. Thank you. Why would I lie? I get up not because I'm hungry. What do you do while while you're taking in cheese curds? What do you what else are you doing? Um, depends. Sometimes I read. Sometimes I look at my phone. Sometimes I watch TV. Mm. Probably I know that looking at my phone and watching TV are not the right answers. Yep. We decided that I'm going to start tracking out my sleep data. I'm going to print out some sleep diaries for you to get more data. Yeah. Before I give you my recommendation. I think that my period has an effect on my sleep. Like, yeah. Your moon cycle? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the biggest factor because... Yeah. I always notice you sleep worse when it's a high tide. So I would assume <laughs> there's some correlation. So we're going to get that data. We're going to track out your cycle, your mm-hmm. sleep, mm-hmm. the moon, mm-hmm. and brands of cottage cheese that improve sleep quality. Mm. I need more variety in my snacking, though, in general, I think. You probably have some nutritional deficits. It's a good band name. <laughs> that is actually not a good band name. <laughs> I know. 
I would not go see that band. So how was your week? It's good. I mean, I don't want to be a dick and be like, I had a great week. I got up early yesterday, ran 15 miles. Mm-hmm. Again, planned it perfectly where I ended at the 7-Eleven and bought a big gulp of Powerade. Oh, I didn't know because I wasn't here when you got back. You weren't. Mm-hmm. And then I came home. And then I, like, I was like, I'm really hungry. There's not a lot here to eat. So I hopped in my car. I was driving to Burger King to get a breakfast sandwich. Mm-hmm. And then my like fat kid passed popped in my head. And we were like, you should go to Taco Bell for breakfast. That sounds mm-hmm. even better. So I did. I went and I got a crunch wrap breakfast thing. And then the moment I purchased it, I was like, I really wanted one of those breakfast sandwiches instead. And so Burger King and Taco Bell are next to each other. And so I literally pulled from the checkout window of Taco Bell and just looped around and went right into Burger King. Did you eat the Taco Bell thing? Yeah. I ate it in line oh while waiting God. for the Yeah, Burger what King. was your, like, because when I came back, you said, oh, I got two Burger King sandwiches. One's in the fridge if you want one. And then I was, like, wondering, what was the Burger King, like, craving situation? Like, I've never known you to go to Burger King. I've recently discovered I love Burger King. Okay. Their breakfast sandwiches are way better than McDonald's. They, they, have, well, they have the Impossible Whopper now, which is amazing. Instead of fries, they have onion rings. They have a kingdom, which is nice. Oh, we, we discovered last week where the Burger King hat came from. Also, all the employees, the color scheme of their clothing is in the order of a Whopper. No, it's not. It is. is. It? No, it really, it's like they have like brown, red, white, yellow, cheese color lettuce it's about like down their body <laughs> wait is yellow cheese color or is no, it... yellow is mustard orange oh. is cheese color <laughs> okay meat color no it's literally i when i was i went to get an impossible whopper a couple weeks ago and i was like stay i'm like they're the color scheme on this uniform is out, out of this world and then i looked up at the picture of a whopper they had like a cartoon whopper i'm like oh no it's like their clothes scheme is is whopper i think that we should start referring to colors as parts of a hamburger like oh i really love the relish shirt you're wearing today yeah mustard shirt i'd never wear mustard shirts i can't my skin tone can't pull that off come on no you, you would look ill especially with the my hornet sting it's all red i know yeah you're already looking like a whopper yeah i'm, I'm not a yellow wearing person i no. really i wish i was but no. it, it's not really for me i like yellow sometimes yeah you do good at like bright colors yeah i peacock a lot Anyway, so I pulled from Taco Bell back into Burger King to get the two sandwiches. And I could see the people <laughs> while I was in line. I could see the people from Taco Bell looking at my car <laughs> from the checkout window. I bet you that happens so much, I pro- It probably does. Especially but- if you're in a fam- you're like a part of a family that's getting takeout. Yeah, but I was clearly alone shirtless in my car. Mm. Yeah, it was embarrassing. But then I got... I, I got- was it? No, I was so excited. No. Don't let me pretend I was embarrassed. I was so excited. Yeah, I'm not. I called you out. I don't know when it happened, but Burger King is amazing. I know. I never, I never, the only fast food place I really ever went to is McDonald's and Taco Bell and In-N-Out, but they don't have that here. I know. I wish they did. Honestly, in the big ones, my, in the, the big ones, I think Burger King's above McDonald's. Wendy's is above them all. No, it's not. Wendy's? Where are you even getting this data from? My mouth. I <laughs> know. There's a little, there's a little man in my mouth, and he tells me what to do. <laughs> Actually, that's a lie. I think now, based on a couple of trials, Burger King, it's going Taco Bell, Burger King, Wendy's, McDonald's. You think Taco Bell makes more money than McDonald's? No, this is my pleasure, my enjoyment of oh, it. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm not giving hard data on their their quarterlies. Yeah. Oh, you thought <laughs> I thought you were talking about like which company is more successful. No, successful with me personally. Oh, which company gets more of my money? Mm, that makes way more sense because Taco Bell, BK, Wendy's, McDonald's. Yeah, Wendy's. 
Wendy's. What do you I, like at Wendy's? Baked potato? I like the baked potato. I like the chili. I like ice water. Um, Frosties. Yeah. In oh, seriousness, man. Frosties and using fries as a spoon. And Yep. No, That's where it's at. Life, is not, not, life can get no better than when you I, have a Frosty with French fries. Well, usually when I order it, I go, can I get a large Frosty? Can I get a large fry? Extra salt? And then just kill me right afterwards because life can't get any better. Until the next time. And they go, sir, this is a Wendy's. We can't kill you. I realized the other day that I've, I've only been to an Arby's once in my life. I don't think I've ever been to Arby's. We should go to Arby's. I don't want to. I heard it's gross. Also, the meat looks purple. If you're a big Arby's fan out there, can you write us and explain why? Speaking of fans. We have some five-star reviews. Five-star reviews. We have two from Facebook. We have two from iTunes. Yay. So from Leanne Moya. Excellent listen, T.Y. for Renewed Hope. There are smart folks still around. T.Y., I think, is thank you because mm-hmm. we're smart folks. It's Ty Pennington. Thanks, Leanne Moya. Thank you. Great time. We're going to, we'll write you a personalized response. We think you're response. smart, too. We think you're smart because you like us. Another one from Mark Paul. He's been, he's been commenting on a lot of our yeah. stuff. I love it. Thanks, he's Mark. our, he's our fan from New Zealand. He's really yeah, keeping it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, And he Mark. says, it's funny, entertaining, and educational. Great. Which speaks much more to the education system in New Zealand. <laughs> But thank you, Mark Paul. <laughs> we have two other ones. I've noticed a trend where the iTunes ones are much longer than the Facebook ones. But I think it's always people that are on the toilet or people stuck in traffic that are like, I'm just going to post a review. So if you're currently going to the bathroom, pause it, go on iTunes, pop us a little review. Let us know how it's going. Pop it out. Uh, this one's from Piskeen6. Thanks, Piskeen. The title is Don't Stop, Believe Get It. it. Don't stop. Get it. Get it. Get it. I can't even remember the last time I laughed this hard. Aww. I have no idea why I clicked on this podcast. I have no idea either. But it's <laughs> definitely in my top 10 life decisions. I would pl- please go on Facebook. Send us a DM with your top 10 best life decisions. I want to see where it falls yeah. and what's immediately around it. Good call. Yeah. We will read your top 10 list if you send it to us. Uh, the two of you are doing everything right. Don't change a thing. Aww. Oh, fuck. She said this and then we changed a bunch of stuff around. We'll change it back. Whatever. That's so sweet. Well, maybe put out like five episodes a week because I just straight binge your entire show. <laughs> Seriously, I heart you guys. Oh, we heart you too. Thank you. And we know we have two a week, so we're close to five. <laughs> and then the last one from Ultra Dad 5555. Oh, nice. Ultra Dad. It's either a reference to Ultra Running or MK Ultra, which is also acid. Or Oh, I thought you were talking about the beer. Michelob Ultra? Michelob. Maybe it's Michelob Ultra Dad. Or maybe he's just like a really rad dad. We'll find out by reading it. Five stars, obviously. Bloody brilliant. Oh, he's from the UK. Maybe. Diana and Mike are the real deal, folks. An authentic unicorn. Then he he put six stars down. Six star podcast. The first half of the show is as if you've hacked the Alexa in the room. Hey, joke's on you. Our Alexa's chronically dead. <laughs> i.e. unhackable and are listening to a private conversation between professional copywriters actually a hack is no longer needed as payback for the, the digital assistant insensitivity battery joke episode 18 <laughs> also this episode as i just said it the show is a throwback to early 90s morning driving radio in new york city <laughs> I love it with so howard much. stern or imus with way more yucks and no commercials <laughs> As an aside, this is our uh, first episode with a guest. We have three dwarf strippers that we're going to throw ham at. I feel like that's what Howard Stern would do a lot of. (laughs) And then they're going to talk about therapy. I don't know. Okay. We still have two more paragraphs with this review. Shit. This is amazing. DNM. I think they're talking to us. You probably won't give us a shout out. And you're right. 
Anyways, what else were we talking about? <laughs> Just kidding. Yes, a totally lame attempt at reverse psychology, but here it goes. Right now, this second, we are listening to the latest podcast driving to work slash school at 6.15 a.m. Mm. and stuck in major traffic on the Bruk- Bruckner. Brooklyn. B-R-U-C-K-N-E-R. Bruckner. Bruckner in the Bronx. It is probably raining. Charlotte. And Wait, eight- they're there and they don't know if it's raining or not? Yeah. Stuck in traffic? Oh, maybe in the metro? Maybe. Or the whatever subway? Maybe they're in a tunnel. Do you call it in New York? It's probably raining though. Charlotte is an eight-year-old fourth grader in the backseat contemplating the psychological duress of over-educating an eight-year-old. <laughs> Which is true, Charlotte. I think we spoon-feed too much and we need to push. So you should call in and we're going to talk to you. Benjamin... A 12-year-old high schooler is riding shotgun and loves you guys, but would like to pass on how the show kind of falls off a cliff at the halfway mark when it gets educational. Uh. Well, Benjamin, <laughs> maybe if you give us some ideas on what we can talk about, we can loop you yeah, in. Yeah, more kid-friendly topics. Yeah. We need some more fucking kid-friendly shit on this podcast. Some YA Yeah, YA psych. about the psychology of boobs. <laughs> Hand jobs. <laughs> the, the psychology of hand jobs, how to talk to girls. <laughs> but Benjamin sounds like a cool dude, so he doesn't need that stuff. So, yeah. Benjamin, if you have some stuff you think would be cool to hear us ramble on about, also somehow get us a message. I don't know if 12 year olds can have Facebook, probably. You probably have some new one I don't I know about. Facebook. Ultra Dead 5555 is cursing the new traffic pattern and totally enjoys the psych stuff in the, the second half. Wait, is this the same? Uh, yeah, no, he's just giving us a, okay. a rundown. So this is the second of the two people on iTunes. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Here's a suggestion. So he, okay. he has a suggestion Great. for us. Love it. Because right now Feedback. it's a wash because he said Benjamin doesn't like this, the psych stuff. Oh, eight-year-old does. Eight-year-old just says, stop over-educating me. Okay. Let me make my mistakes. Benjamin said... Hey, all the, the dick jokes in the beginning are really funny. Once you guys get smart, I kind of tune out. So he's going to write us up some topics. Okay. Ultra Dad is like, no, I like this psych stuff. Keep it in. So that's kind of a wash. We're not going to change anything. Recommendations. But then he said, here's the thing that the entire car wants us oh, to do. okay, okay. You need to team up with Ben Shapiro, <laughs> a right-leaning, often right conservative, and get on one of his uh, Sunday specials. He's always looking for left-leaning leftists to come on his show but has no takers due to fear of retribution from the left community. I love that. But if you're a leftist, aren't you left-leaning? Yeah. Like you couldn't be a right-leaning leftist? You can be like a moderate leftist or moderate conservative. He's saying Ben Shapiro is very right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. We do a good job to keep it on the DL, but we're pretty left. (laughs) He's saying we should reach out and get on Ben Shapiro's show or more likely get him on this show, which is much more superior. And then, then we can have an actual debate because he says, since you guys have no fears, fucking right, it should not be a problem. Here's the kicker. You're all incredibly off the charts, funny and extremely knowledgeable. I am certain you could crack the code to some of the weird stuff going on in this country. Title the episode, The Psychology of the Political Divide. Just a thought. Love that idea. Oh, yeah. You were saying Ben Shapiro. I was thinking Ben Carson. Oh, no, no. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Whatever. No big deal. Did my training at Hopkins. Came across a chart of an older person there that I was getting ready to see who had had surgery from the one and only Ben Ben Carson. Carson. Doesn't he also own a pizza franchise? I don't know. Are you t- are you thinking of Kenny Rogers roasted chicken? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I make that mistake a lot. I got the na- the person and the food wrong. 
But no, I would love to go on a conservative talk show and I would give them therapy. love to. I would love right. to. If any listeners out there know Ben Shapiro, or if Ben Shapiro is a listener, which you should be, reach out, shoot us a DM. If Ben Shapiro is a listener and Yakov Shmirnov isn't, I'm going to fucking... Oh, man. So the other night... The reason that Kenny Rogers came up is because the other night... We watched We Are the World. I think I posed the question, who do you remember from We Are... Who do you remember is in the We Are the World video? Yeah, that was a fun game. It was. I don't think we came up with that many, although I did say Tina Turner, which I was... I was 50-50 on whether or not she was there, and she was. That was your first one. No, it wasn't. What was your first one? Your first one was Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I said Dan Aykroyd immediately. Yeah, well, everyone knows that. Because that was 1,000% accurate. (laughs) I said Stevie Wonder, maybe? Did I say Stevie Wonder? You said Stevie Wonder. He was in it. I didn't remember Ray Charles was in it, but... Yeah, he doesn't either. We were reading about... We were reading about the the filming of We Are the World, and we read that someone said that Stevie Wonder was like, where's the bathroom? I have to use it. And Ray Charles... It was the other way around. Okay, you tell it. Ray Charles said, you need to go (laughs) poo-poo. And Stevie Wonder pops up, and he's like, I know where it is, Ray. I'll take you there. And then he just like walked him down the hallway towards the bathroom and it was like literally the blind leaving the blind (laughs) and then later on in the day they saw just a big pile of piss in the hallway so someone oh here it is someone posted this fuck okay so this is totally coincidental because we were talking about this the other night someone posted this thing today that said current mood bob dylan in the we are the world video and i know you guys can't see it because this is a audio medium but i'm showing mike right now <laughs> he is just standing there with like the worst look on his he face is, not singing at all yeah, everyone I, around him is singing everyone around him has one hand to their <laughs> yeah, ear and yeah. they are swaying aggressively and they are belting out we are the world and bob dylan <laughs> is trying it's it's the face you make when you are aggressively trying to not throw up. Yeah. <laughs> he is blinking uncontrollably. He is sweating. Yeah. And his mouth is pursed his so tightly. His eyes are darting from side to side. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the the small balloon of cocaine he swallowed the day before just burst in his tummy. And he is just on a roller coaster. <laughs> he also just realized he's in We Are The World. He's like, what am I doing it's here? Like, well, that solo is going to stay with me for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's what we remembered for. You know who has a big stage on there is Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah. We watched almost all of it. Yeah. We got through all the solos. We're going to launch the We Are The World Challenge, which is you post a video of yourself just watching We Are The World straight through <laughs> without getting up and walking away. Good luck. Good luck. It's like the ice bucket challenge. Yeah, the new Tide Pod challenge. An equal amount of people are going to get sick. What's the topic for today? Uh, we are gonna have a we are gonna have a panel discussion. We are gonna have a panel discussion. Panel meaning just you yeah. and me. Yeah, uh, we're gonna do a really quick panel discussion on on self handicapping. Two things I really wanted to talk about as a follow up. One is just what are some of the risk factors to be more likely to do this self handicapping, as well as just like what types of approaches can be helpful because it's. Do you want to give a brief like resume in recently on reverse psychology? So self-handicapping, it's a strategic coping skill where prior to doing something you're going to get an evaluation on, if you're not confident you're going to do well, it's creating some sort of obstacle. That way, if you end up doing poorly, you can blame that obstacle. So it's like Mm -hmm. if you're about to take a test in school and you feel like you're not going to do well, it might be not studying. It might be staying up super late the night before. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. way, if you do poorly, you can say, well, I would have done well 
had I gone to bed on time. What's that thing that people would always say? I feel like in college, it's like same state. Like, do you study and take the test? State dependent learning? Yeah. So, like, if you're drunk studying, you better get drunk to take the test. Yeah. Is that that's what I'm talking about? I just went to a really big party school. So yeah. I could say if it. you're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Where you went to school, though, it was really risky to stop drinking. The collective hangover would have killed anyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we were all drunk all the time taking Aww. tests. We weren't. You turned out okay, it seems. Well, I had a lot of problems in college, but that's another that's another episode. So anyways, self-handicapping comes up in a lot of different places. So there's a lot of research on self-handicapping in sports. It's like a really big area. Because like sports is pretty chaotic where it's hard to... When did we first notice this phenomenon? The 70s. Okay. The research was really launched after some golfer right. made made that big claim about stopping practicing. Mm-hmm. But you see, you see that a lot where you'll see you'll see players that will like start partying a ton, or mm-hmm. you'll see players that will not go to practice. They'll they'll, they'll like. Usually, do people start out like people who self handicap usually start out like not doing that and then do it over time, or is it just like a personality style in general? Or so there's there's got to be some reputation that they're trying to protect. So so usually there is one round of feedback or some feedback that is favorable. So like for an athlete, it mm-hmm. might be you had a really good game or you you were great in college, but mm-hmm. now that you're in the pros, you don't think that you can keep doing well. Okay. Or like in high school, it's like you were great on JV, but now you're varsity. Mm-hmm. Uh, in school, it might be you're great in undergrad, but now you're in grad school. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, I did really well, but maybe it was because it was a smaller school or it was easier, blah, 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 blah. Maybe it's not me. And so in grad school, maybe you're you're less likely to do the work. Or less likely, which I, I mean, I feel like I felt guilty for that when I first got to grad school where I was like... You didn't do the work. Uh, early on, it was, it was harder for me to like put all the work into it. It felt very tempting. It was ironic that I was also studying self-handicapping. I'm like, oh, fuck, maybe I'm doing this. But yeah, so usually there's some, there's some reputation to protect. Okay. And that's the big thing about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And so... There's a couple of personality characteristics that okay. are pretty common within self-handicapping. So one cluster is just high neuroticism. So this is like a group of people that are more likely to, when you say cluster, group of people that are more likely to engage in this. So when I say cluster, I'm more saying there are two broad families of traits a person might have or conditions a person might be going through mm-hmm. that make self-handicapping much more, more like, appealing. Okay. Or more likely? They'll be more likely to do it. Cool. And so the first one is do just... Do it. Yeah. <laughs> you hear that, Benjamin? <laughs> I know. We're talking about doing it now. Now we're trying to appeal to our 12-year-old audience. <laughs> yeah. Our 12-year-old boy demographic. Okay. So boobs, anyways. Uh, <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Dude boobs, too, maybe. <laughs> See, we're equal opportunity. <laughs> And Charlotte's just rolling her eyes in the background. I know. We're just aggressively courting this one family <laughs> that we know already likes us. Okay. So anyways, so within neuroticism, there's a, there's a few different things that would likely contribute to someone self-handicapping. Mm-hmm. What is neuroticism? So neuroticism... I mean, I know. I, you know. It's just for other people. So... It's, it's a term that pops up a lot. It's actually one of the only really stable personality characteristics, mm-hmm. but it's basically like high anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's um, a lot of worry. like mm-hmm. Perfectionism. Perfectionism, like type A personality yeah. type stuff. Yeah. It pops up in like the, the big five of personality. Mm-hmm. And so... We should talk about that on another yeah, episode. Yeah, I mean, because that's, that's like the model that like fits and the most you, consistent. And uh, you... In your field of study, are much more involved in personality than I am. Like, 
I don't really have a personality, so it's really you hard have to a great personality. I know. I'm just I'm just joshing. But yeah, so this is a personality characteristic where it's high neuroticism. It's when you're anxious, you're more more perfectionistic, you're more worried. There's a lot of health characteristics that go along with it. So usually, like, it's but like that person, yeah, like stomach problems. And- yeah. Yeah, which is essentially like it correlates with anxiety. Migraines. Migraines, tummy probs. <laughs> tummy, tummy. <laughs> A trouble tummy. And so within this, though, like people that generally have low or more chaotic self-esteem are much more likely to engage in self-handicapping. What is chaotic self-esteem? You, you feel great about yourself one day and you feel like shit the mm, other day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if it's just not like not consistent self-esteem, mm. self-esteem is not like a, like a self-esteem is a weird construct. It, it very much is. It's really hard to define. It is. And I think part of it is because it's very transient where yeah. you just wake up and be like, I suck. And then you might the next day be like, I'm, I'm killing it. I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. And the problem is a lot of people talk about it as it's like a stable thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, one thing really it, yeah, yeah. Like you have high self-esteem. It's like, yeah. You have high self-esteem. And you, you have, have high self-esteem. You, Yeah, thanks, Oprah. Yeah. But people with generally low self-esteem, like chronically low self-esteem, mm-hmm. or people who their self-esteem is unpredictable are much more likely to engage in self-handicapping. Mm, that makes sense because when you feel like strongly about yourself like i'm gonna do well you have high self-esteem you're more likely to study and see the effects of that studying yeah when you're that same person but you're having like a bad week or whatever you're you're less likely to study because you're self-handicapping absolutely along with this low self-esteem too a big part of self-handicapping is you get feedback saying you did well the lower your self-esteem the more likely you are to not right believe it right to attribute it to luck or like yes yeah. 1,000%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, there's no way that's true. I must have just filled in the answers correctly. Yeah, I got lucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was too easy for blah, 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 blah. And so along with that, also a person who with more like high anxiety, like trait anxiety. And so like, especially people who are more anxious about their performance mm-hmm. is a, a characteristic. Similarly, people with lower confidence overall. So a lower belief in their own ability. Mm-hmm. It's a term called self-efficacy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I know that term. Oh, yeah. So what do you know about that? Well, I know in my field of research, we talk about self-efficacy and teaching, like self-efficacy and mm-hmm. teachers. Teacher. Well, I wonder if this is the same kind of concept, because teachers who have low self-efficacy are less likely to implement evidence-based interventions in their classroom. But teachers who? Teachers who have low self-efficacy okay. are less likely to implement, let's say I go in as a consultant yeah. to a teacher and the teacher is saying, I have all these behavior problems in my classroom. Yes. And then I say, oh, let's let's talk about these and here are some, maybe some evidence-based interventions that we can use to help improve these kids' behavior. Teachers who have low self-efficacy yeah. are less likely to adopt those practices. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and because then they can continue to blame the kid's behavior on the kid. It's not because of their... Yes. If they were to try something and not... And it's on them. And then it's on them. Also, with lower self-efficacy or lower confidence, it's a lower belief that your behavior will translate into any type of change. Right. They have no... They have no agency. They have no faith in themselves. Yeah. And and no, like, ability to change their environment. Right. So if you have low self-esteem, if you have low confidence, low low self-efficacy, and you're a student, let's say, and you you get a good grade on a test, and your teacher says... All you have to do is keep studying. You'll do well again. If you don't think it matters, if you're like, you know, I'll study hard. I won't study. What I do doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's chaotic. It's right. luck. It's unpredictable. 
you're much more likely to self-handicap. And then the the final of this little cluster is this thing called performance concerns, which is basically just... Like in the bedroom? Yes. You don't have those. Oh, thank you. You don't have... I mean, I don't know if you... Yeah, you don't have performance concerns. Yeah, I just... It, it seems like I do not care how it goes. <laughs> because it is totally a race and I'm just high-fiving myself the entire time. All right. And so this is more narrow focus on the outcome. Cool. And, and so it's just the more, the more concerned you are about that. The other little cluster is, is conscientiousness. Mm-hmm. So conscientiousness is just like general carefulness. If you're more conscientious, you're less likely to make mistakes. You're more likely to like work slowly through stuff. Okay. So lower conscientiousness, mm-hmm. it's much more appealing to self-handicap because you're, you're, you're more okay with screwing up your performance basically. But you know what? Maybe this is a dumb question, but people who are self-handicapping don't know that they're self-handicapping. It's very, I mean, to some extent they might, but more likely they're just reacting to that feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of avoidance, which is the other piece of this cluster. Mm-hmm. It's it's an avoidance coping style. Mm-hmm. So it's saying like, if I'm studying for this test and I don't feel confident, then studying is constantly reminding me right, right, right. It, yeah, about this sense. thing. That makes sense. But if I close this and I go play Zelda, which I've been playing all day, yeah. it feels better because I don't have to think about it. And because I'm not conscientious, I'm okay with skipping stuff, not not putting the work into it. But mm-hmm. if I was high conscientiousness, I have the personality type of someone that's going to do the checklist, go through everything. Yeah. And we talk about escape or avoidance in the behavior analytic world as you stop doing something to reduce anxiety. Yes. So it's negatively reinforcing, right? So if I am studying and it, start, it makes me feel like, oh, I'm not going to like do well on this test. I'm like, you know, I'm not smart enough. Da, 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 da. So I stop so that those thoughts and anything else associated with it go away. You are removing an aversive, which makes you more likely to escape or avoid in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to like kind of sneak ahead a little bit in the whole idea of how to help with self handicapping. So I, I don't know why I keep... <laughs> doing, <laughs> but anyways i definitely noticed when i was studying for the, the licensure exam yeah that i because again I, I feel like i was primed for this where like i kind of like lower self-confidence and like being able to like do it it seemed like this very thing that was outside my realm studying was just like so anxiety provoking because i yeah. was like yeah reading i was doing these flashcards, and it was just a reminder of like yeah because oh, this is coming up. Even like on those practice tests, it, they say it's good if you get like 50% right. Yeah, which, which is awful. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you're really killing it at all. Yeah. And so it became very tempting to like self-handicap or just to avoid it altogether. And so my thing was like keeping track of how long I could study for before like I started getting anxious mm-hmm. and then just studying up until that point more frequently. My days were like... 20 to 30 five minutes brief things hmm. of studying which mm-hmm. is like constantly doing it because it, i found that if i did larger chunks it became very it became, chunky. It became very chunky but it also became much more anxiety provoking because it was like oh fuck i have this hour coming up where i'm going to be super anxious mm-hmm. whereas like oh i can do five minutes and by the time i get uncomfortable i can stop and then go back to it in half an hour and do another five minutes Did you pass? i crushed it the other Part of this cluster of conscientiousness is this concept that I, I like. I, I find it really fascinating. Okay. So it's called goal orientation. Okay. It's basically our tendency of how how do we see challenges where there's a mastery orientation, which is basically wanting to do well on it in, in the absolute sense. If we go rock climbing and mm-hmm. you have a mastery orientation, 
That is you wanting to get to the top. That's t- typically how I approach things, honestly, in my life. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you do because I, I definitely, I've done a lot I of- I want to be really good at things. And and not just that, but I've definitely been in, in a lot of different types of classes and workouts with you where like you will struggle through things that you're not getting. Mm-hmm. You, you do- a, most things very well really quickly <laughs> but things that don't click like we you did the, just struggle all the you're time. just floundering you're just flailing your arms the class is done the janitor's <laughs> trying to sweep and you're just trying to get this thing no but you will like work through it and work through it until mm-hmm. you get that thing done mm-hmm. that's a master orientation where like you you don't care Thank what you. other people are doing Thank you're you. like you're welcome I don't you, know if that's a good thing. You, I, no, no, it, it is. Actually, you're much more likely to do well in the long run. Hmm. You might struggle up front, but you'll do way better in the long run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other one is a performance orientation. Mm. So that is either looking better than the people around you uh-huh. or not looking worse than the people around mm. you. Yeah, let's say we're doing like that, like silks, yoga, aerial stuff. Mm-hmm. A performance orientation might be looking around and if everyone's struggling and you're struggling, it's like, okay, like I'm, I'm mm. with everyone else. Or I'm going to get a little bit better than the next person. Whereas a mastery is like, no, I'm going to get this. I don't care if other people are not getting it or if they are getting well, it. Well, it's interesting because is it like the difference between being competitive with yourself versus being competitive with others? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. And people with a performance orientation, much more likely to self-handicap. Mm. Because if you feel like you can't keep up with the people around you, I see. then it's, it's so much more appealing to create a condition that is unique to you. So... One time I took Mike to an aerial yoga class and I'd been doing it for a while. And I was like, this is, I'm so good at this. This is awesome. I've been at mastery criteria on most of this for a while. And so there was this one move where you had to sit on the ground and like pull yourself up into the straps and then flip yourself over. It's like a ton of upper body strength. And I couldn't do it at all. I could barely lift my butt off the ground. And Mike was like, oh, this is so easy and flipped himself right over. And I almost started crying. Oh, I know. So you slipped into a little bit of a performance yeah, orientation. Yeah, I know. Well, only with you because I wanted to be better than you. Yeah, you, you're better than me in almost every other that way. That is absolutely not true. So anyway, so those are like the general risk factors, basically, to increase self-handicapping. Things like lower self-esteem, higher anxiety, more concern about the outcome rather than working through stuff, and also a much higher focus on how you're doing compared to other people versus just doing well on the task itself. Do you think I'm, they're going to have to cut off my arm below the elbow? I also love you if, you, if you're if you above elbow amputee. Thank you. I'll get a claw or something. Would you get a hook? Um, It would be weird to have a hook on an elbow. Yeah. <laughs> like probably a prosthetic arm. The ones they have now are amazing. They're better than real hands. It, I've, I've talked to my doctor about cutting my hands off and getting prosthetics. <laughs> okay. So if you're in therapy, how does this show up? I see this in therapy in times when you're giving to you being the therapist you're giving too much feedback that is based on the outcome like oh you're looking so much better you're Mm. you're you're good at this not not praising the work basically not not validating how hard they're working how much work they're putting into it things that are in their control like praising the behavior it's really interesting that something so small such as like actually praising work or the amount of effort someone puts into something as opposed to the larger like oh you're you're just you're a good person. Yeah. That's why this is all happening. Yeah, it's I mean it's the idea of like praising the process and not the outcome. Like mm-hmm. like assuming that if they keep putting the work in, the outcome is going to get there, mm-hmm. which should be self-reinforcing. Like your goal is to keep them working. Mm-hmm. How I see it, like what I see in in clients. You guys can't see this, but Mike just <laughs> held two fingers up to his eyes like 
how, how he sees it yeah. in therapy. Yeah. Want to make sure to. Perfect. Add a visual. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes up in ways where like a client might not be doing their homework anymore. So a big part of therapy oh. is. Oh, interesting. Hey, we're talking about this thing. Our session's done. Let's talk about what you're going to do over the week. And it's usually like, you know, the, those smart goals we talked about like three months ago. Yeah. So it's, you're going to do these exposures. You're going to call your mom twice a week. You're going to go to the gym three times, whatever that thing is. Right. In times when I feel like people are self-handicapping more in therapy, it's also times where they they start to fall off on doing homework. And there's a lot of reasons why. So they're like, oh, I got really busy. Lots or of I forgot excuses. About, lots of excuse making. Well, it's interesting that they keep coming back to therapy though. Everything's goal oriented. And so the surface goal is like to get better mm-hmm. in therapy, mm-hmm. but there's that shift, that more short-term thing where... I may have created a condition where their goal now is to preserve that I'm a good patient. I'm mm. I'm 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 a good person in mm-hmm. this. Oh, okay. And so it's risky to then not keep getting better. They're going to no longer be a good patient. They're they're going to no longer be good at this. And so obviously the the idea is like they want to feel better or they want to get something out of therapy. But the therapist might accidentally create that condition where there's a lot of pressure to get better and they don't want to look like they're not making progress. And so self-handicapping becomes very appealing to not get the homework done, to not to maybe to miss sessions, to be late to session. To That way, if they start to flatline or not get a lot of progress, it's easier to be like, oh, if, if I was able to get my exposures done, I would be getting better. Or if I was able to come more frequently, I'd get better. But so I can't. So they're trying not to get better in therapy? They're trying to not look bad in therapy. It's the, it's the idea that if you give too much praise to the outcome, if like you're good at this, you're getting so much better. You're feeling so much better. You're looking so much better. If they, if they, if there's someone who has lower self-esteem, lower confidence, more avoidance, it might be, it might become anxiety-provoking to go to therapy to be like, I don't want to let my therapist down because I'm not getting better fast enough. Mm. So, or they don't know what to attribute getting better to. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and so then it becomes much more tempting to not do the homework because mm-hmm. it's, it's the idea of like if they committed to I'm going to do this exposure and then you're about to do it and you're like oh I, if I'm going to do this but I'm still not going to get better and then I'm like I'm going to go to therapy and I have to explain why I'm not getting better and so it's just easier to avoid doing the homework that way if you don't get better you could be like yeah yeah because I didn't do the homework versus something we about me we should do a future episode on homework and therapy we should that'd be fun I know it'd be a good one we can give everyone homework and then meet back the next time and see how it went yeah see if you got better See if you're good at it. Um, uh, all right, so we should probably wrap this up. Okay. Soon. All right, what's coming up for what's coming up? For us is coming up. I have two really quick corrections. Okay. Um, I'm extremely embarrassed about one of them. Uh oh. How did you know there were corrections you caught yourself? I listened back to the episode Uh-oh. and I was like, no. <sighs> it's okay. I'm really sorry. We'll get through this. So somebody called nine one one is not by PD Pablo. It's by Sean Kingston. Embarrassing. So I'm sorry to Sean. I'm sorry to Peter. I'm sorry to listeners who Googled PD Pablo, somebody called 911 and could not find it. Well, it's Sean take Kingston. your hand, take your shirt off. My shirt's been off this entire time. Whip it around your face. North Carolina is PD Pablo. That's then. Peter Pablo. <laughs> I was out with friends yesterday and we referenced that song so many times. By really? we, I mean I. <laughs> Whenever someone, because we were watching college football and... South Carolina was playing and every time someone's like, Oh, South Carolina, before they could finish their thought, I just kept going, raise up. And then a friend of mine was like, I'm about to take my shirt off. The other one, I also feel very bad, but I feel bad on behalf of you. 
Did I make a mistake? Yeah, you made a huge one. And I feel like if we lose any listeners, it's because of it. Oh, good. Thank you. you oh, I'm so embarrassed. You said last time that we had all, we had too many garbanzo beans. Oh, oh, I did. And, and then, then it did ruin our whole week. We had it ruin our week. We had many garbanzo-based meals and we had no garbanzo we beans. Ha- yeah, all I week. totally fucked up. I'm so sorry. Yeah. To you. And I, to our fans. I went to Publix today and I bought some and the cashier was clearly a listener and she's like, honey, I heard that you had too many of these. Mm. And I go, no, stay tuned. <laughs> you're going to be heartbroken. Yeah. No, we. you're right. I mean, there's no excuse. Oh, well, what do I have coming up? Um, <laughs> another fun-filled week at work. Uh, running. Great. The race is getting closer and yeah. getting more anxious about it. Oh, I still yeah, have to sign you? up for it. Oh, yeah. You, are you going to? I, I, big part of me wants to. Big part of me wants to just avoid it altogether. Hmm, interesting. And so we'll see. I I ran 25 miles this weekend, though. And Maybe so. you could self-handicap and not run from now on. And yeah, then, and, and then just show up so, mm-hmm. super fresh. Beyond that, we're, Beyond seeing, say that. we're seeing cat power we on are. Friday. I'm so pumped. I'm going to... I've never seen her. I'm going to give her a sticker and see if she wants to come on the pod. Cat power is phenomenal. Hopefully she's sober. Yeah. Lucid. Lucid. Yeah. Uh, So that's exciting. That is super exciting. What do you got coming up? Um, My birthday celebrations have been extended through tomorrow. Um, Having dinner with some friends tomorrow night. Okay. And uh, let me check my email for the invitation. (laughs) Huh? doesn't look like it's here yet. Which email did you guys email me at? Um, none of the, n- okay. none at none.com. Oh, okay. Hold on. I got it. I can't remember the password of that one. <laughs> we'll talk about this in the car. Cool. Okay. I love you. Bye. It looks like it has its own heartbeat. I feel my heartbeat in it. Can you? Do you think it it's grown another heartbeat? Do you think it's my unborn twin? <laughs> Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that was that hornet sting was just your twin coming to life.